Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Tea Podcast by Developing Lafayette. My name is Ben Powers. I'm your host. And what we like to do with this podcast is we like to invite different business owners, different community influencers in Lafayette Parish that really highlight Lafayette Parish and what we're all about. Today on the Tea Podcast, we have Katie Dupre. Said it right. Uh, Executive Director of Parish Proud and Executive Director of the Stellar Family Foundation. Uh, We will kind of go through how she got there and how she's working with Parish Proud and the Stellar Family Foundation and get to know a little bit more about her and all that good stuff. But first, I do want to mention our sponsor because they help pay bills and you always want to make sure you... You, you talk about your sponsors, because why not? All right, so the Music Academy of Acadiana, they are Acadiana's top choice for music lessons in piano, guitar, voice, uh, even violin, saxophone, flute, audio production. We had DJ Digital a few podcasts back, and he, he found audio production on that list to be pretty cool. Um, they teach students of all ages, all styles. They've even sent students to, co- uh, to college. They've even had students compete in major music competitions and have also premiered on major TV music contests like American Idol and The Voice. And if you don't know what those are, then you're living under a rock. Uh, They're founded by Tim Benson, who's a University of Louisiana Lafayette Music School graduate. The Academy has been voted as a top finalist in the best music school by readers of the Times of Acadiana since 2016. And they have won the National Music School of the Year Award in 2014. And their goal is to make music lessons fun, educational, and to help foster the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers because we need more of those. And you can find them on the following links. You have a Music Academy, Acadiana.com, which you can see on your screen. And you can go to their Facebook page, Music Academy of Acadiana, or their YouTube, or their Instagram, or wherever else they have social medias because there's a bunch of places. But uh, just check them out, uh, and you'll be glad you did. All right. So now that that is out of the way, and we appreciate them, by the way. Um, Katie, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit about, uh, first of all, I kind of want to know, are you a... Louisiana native uh, or Lafayette native or did you move here? Like tell me a little bit about your background. So I was born and raised in Lafayette, Um, went to UL, got my undergrad in political science, Uh, but that was in 2008 and uh, in 2009 I moved to New Orleans for grad school. I got my master's in political science and statistical modeling. Um, So from New Orleans, uh, went to Montana, lived in the wilderness of Montana for a few years. The wilderness, all right. Yep, yep, town of 800 people. Um, our research facility is political research for a national nonprofit, and our ranch, our research facility, was on a alpine lake, actually alpine? in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Dude, so, so Montana in the wilderness, like, so you went there for work. Went there for an internship, yeah. unpaid internship, fell in love with Montana, and they were hiring. And I thought, well, yeah, I want to stay here and, <laughs> you know, study politics and um, fly fish every day. So, yeah. So you like to fly fish? I love fly fishing. Wow. Is that where, like, the line literally flies around your head? Yep. It's casted okay. behind you and back. Yep. Yep. Okay. A river runs through it is what most people associate fly fishing with. It's a movie with Brad Pitt. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. That might, yeah. that might yeah, I don't know. <laughs> went over my head. <laughs> uh, so what? So why did you leave Montana? Well, in a town of 800 people, it's landlocked. You know, there were a lot of things that I missed about back home, um, the culture and the people and the food. Um, but I think that it was just time. You know, it just felt right to come home. But before I went home, I actually was able to backpack through South America and Patagonia. And went fly fishing for for four months by myself. <laughs> Dude, you've been fly fishing. So is that like your main hobby? Is that something? Yeah. Okay. I, I wish I should do it more. The equipment is different for like Louisiana water than it is for a mountain Montana water. Um, but I wish I did it more. I love it. I think it's amazing. Everyone should try it when they get the chance. 
So, so your your specialty is statistical stuff, right? Data so science. Studied, yeah. Well, so I studied statistical modeling and quantitative um, methods in grad school, specific to American political behaviors and media. So, televised media. How did that influence human behavior? Gotcha. Okay. Um, and so using numbers to tell that story. I've always been a numbers person. So how does this, how does that connect to uh, what you're doing now with Parish Proud is how did that, how did your past work lead you up to this point? Um, so, well, so before I actually get into that, I would say I went back to New Orleans, yep. worked in economic competitiveness which is where I like found like where like cities become attractive and how do cities attract business and talent um, and how do you use numbers to like really change the story and target your efforts um, to create impact and actually you know attract business and attract talent. So that is the part I think that connects me. Okay, to yeah, that makes proud. sense. That makes sense. Um, but also is that I'm a data driven, evidence based person that. We shouldn't just be doing things to for the sake of doing them. You should have a strategic plan. You should have key performance indicators. You should have um, innovative approaches to getting results, getting the results that you want to see. So. Okay, and when did um, so? When was this particular moment in time before you got connected with Parish Prowl in, in New Orleans, working with that that scenario? Ask it again. So, like in New Orleans, whenever you're working with, uh, you said economic competitiveness. Competitiveness. Okay. So, when was that in time of, of your career? That was when I returned from South America and I was in New Orleans for about three years. Um, and then I went to University of Chicago and worked for uh, Data Science for Social Good Fellowship. And then I came back to Lafayette. And that was in 2018 when I came back to Lafayette, at the very tail end of 2018. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so... I was gone 10 years, did all that stuff, and then I came back to Lafayette. Gotcha. And so were you a part of helping create Parish Proud, or was that something that you were brought on to kind of help Spearhead? I was brought on to okay. help Spearhead. Um, I knew kind of in the background what was going on, but I didn't have my hands in creating it. Okay. What is what is Parish Proud anyway? I mean, I've seen a few, uh, I don't want to call them commercials, but advertisements uh, on TV and, and on Facebook. What is it about? So Parish Proud, at the end of the day, is a, um, the vision is a vibrant and thriving community. Um, and our mission is to equip stakeholders with resources that help build their capacity to transform the pride we feel into pride that we can see. So right now, I don't know if you've ever taken the time to really look at uh, our place, like our attractiveness as a city. There is litter, there are overgrown <laughs> sidewalks, there are illegal signs, um, just a lot of things that visually unappealing so i can't so parish, disagree sure so parish proud is trying to uh bring all those stakeholders that whole ecosystem together and figure out who's doing what who does it best let's put resources behind them to build their capacity um and really you know changing individual bad behaviors but also making the good behaviors easier so I'm guessing um, that so the ads that I've seen were mostly based around litter. The main one that I'm thinking about was I, I think it was placed in downtown where somebody had dropped something on the ground and like I don't know if they went back or somebody went behind them and picked it up and like tossed it in the trash. Like so, is that is that the initial push to kind of come out of the gate? Yeah, I think that the initial push with those was um, let's gauge you know our uh, our community's appetite for the fact that we have littering culture and how do we change those behaviors why do you think we have a littering culture i mean you ask that to anyone and they're going to give you different uh, answers right? Yeah, right um i have a few theories um i think that 
when you don't, when, when humans don't physically interact with their natural world, walking around, biking, being outside, uh, it's almost like they have a total disconnect between their environment and them. So Lafayette, we were designed for cars. Yeah. Right? You spend a lot of time in cars here. Um, and I think <clears throat> that there's just kind of this disconnect between shared spaces that we can all enjoy when we're outside and just kind of, well, this is the privacy of my own little vehicle and I'm going to toss this out. Um, I also think it's a lack of infrastructure, lack of trash cans. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that you bring up the whole car situation because, <laughs> I mean, that's typically where you said, you know, most litter happens. Um, ironically enough, uh, coming in to do this uh, talk with you, oh, right before I got here, I was behind a car on Settler's Trace at a red light. And as soon as the light turned green, a hand poked out of the window in the back seat and just kind of tossed a little little bitty something, but it was still it was something. Right. I'm like, I'm, I'm literally going to a talk about Parish Proud, and I know we're going to talk about litter. And I, I, I looked at that car, I'm like, they're literally, literally, literally. <laughs> tongue tied for a second. No, I mean, if you, like, okay, so you're married, right? And so yes. you, you ride in the car with someone else. For those of you that have that opportunity, I encourage you, I challenge you to intentionally sit in the passenger seat and observe, really look at how much litter is around our town because we kind of just don't see it anymore. And unless someone points it out, then it's like, once you see it, you can't unsee it. (laughs) And, you know, and a while back, I think probably a little over a year ago, I brought in um, two different individuals who were new to Lafayette. I called it uh, Lafayette Newbies because okay. I wanted to get an idea because I, I moved here in 2010. So I still have like that newbie kind of feel because I'm not native to Lafayette. I'm only an hour away born. But um, so I brought in two Lafayette Newbies who were like they were they've lived here for less than a couple of years. And I said, what is the one thing you would change about Lafayette or that you've noticed that you would like to see different about Lafayette? And the most consistent answer between both of them were the, the litter. Yeah. It was trash. Yeah. And I'm like thinking to myself, have I really not noticed that big of an issue with it? I mean, I'm in my car a lot. And when you're driving down the road going 30 miles an hour or even faster, you don't see it. It blends. Yeah. And so I found that amazing. Yeah. That, that is interesting. That we're, we're trashy. Well, I mean... You know, I don't want to say any harsh words, <clears throat> but I think that we need to call a spade a spade and, yeah. and we need to change our behaviors. Uh, we need, need to do it at a much bigger scale. We need to do it more frequently. We need to uh, make it easier to behave good and costlier, whatever you say costlier. It could be money or it could be energy or image or whatever that is. It's costly to behave bad. But right now it's just so easy to behave bad and if you've grown up kind of not caring and not feeling connected to your community or place or the neighborhoods that you drive through then you know what do you expect right so so how how does parish proud uh, intend to combat that <laughs> um so litter and littering very complicated topics yes believe it or not Um, so if you look at like the life cycle of a litterer littering resulting in litter, there's the prevention of new litter that we could work on and there's the mitigation of existing litter. So that's like your pickups and your cleanups. Um, and that they both have to happen at the same time. So right now, Parish Proud, um, has the capacity to focus mostly on the mitigation, the removal. So we're partnering uh, with United Way of Acadiana right now, and we are streamlining uh, the volunteer process in Acadiana so that when there's so, because there are so many people here that want to do good and they want to get back, but they don't know where to start. So we're gonna be able to give them an easy opportunity to know exactly where to go when they're ready. Um, and so our pickups will be listed there. Um, so you're going to be a resource for do-gooders. 
resource for do-gooders. Yep, I like that. I'm, I'm definitely a do-gooder. <laughs> um, and then for the prevention, um, we're really trying to uh, understand why uh, the enforcement isn't happening. If there are littering, littering laws, why aren't their litter citations. I don't think I've ever heard of anybody getting a litter citation. Right. Isn't it like a five hundred dollar fine? It's a pretty high fine. It's real. It's we. I was just looking at them today. Actually, for a third offense of tossing a cigarette out the window, it's a thousand dollars. And a cigarette. A, a si- third offense for tossing a cigarette, and it's a year uh, license suspension. Wow. Wow. Right. So, but so you no wonder, one. I don't. Has anybody? But, no. But you have to wonder why. Okay. So if they're on the books. Why aren't they be, being written? Is it because the people writing them are like, I don't think this is, I can't give someone a $300 ticket for their first cigarette offense. They can't <laughs> even pay, you know, like what if they can't pay, right? So it's a disincentive yeah. to write the citation in the first place. Plus, you know, a lot of people argue that that wasn't me that littered and you have no proof. And um, so, so, okay. So the proof issue. So let's say, for example, if I wanted to be a Karen, all right, and I was behind that car today that I mentioned, and I wanted, to, I took a picture, but let's say I didn't bring out my camera fast enough to catch their hand actually drop the litter, because mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not, we're not in Russia. Not everybody has a sure. front-facing camera. Sure. So if I would have just taken a picture of their car, their license plate, and contacted the officials, what does that look like? Yeah, like, what does that look like? It probably, I think it wouldn't go that far. So, it's not an easy process. Like, you probably wouldn't complete the process. Somebody that really, really cares about littering might. So, first, if you have their license plate, that's great. You have to go to uh, the law enforcement website. Right now, there is a state litter bug hotline that you can call, but our local litter bug hotline is down. Um, but you fill out an affidavit, sign it, send it in. Then if the uh, offender argues and says, oh, no, that wasn't me, you have to appear in court. Oh, God. Okay? So this is, like, th- those are those are two pretty big steps. Instead of what if I could just, you know, snap a photo. Have, I, we're trying to understand what the current landscape and processes are so that we can <clears throat> develop some, sm- you know, effective solutions that will work for us right because that's the 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 last thing that i want to do is go to court right i don't i don't want to sit there and fight somebody about dropping a a tiny piece of paper and but i but i want something to happen but i don't want to it's like a how big of a time waste are you willing to give up for some cost benefit analysis yeah well like so i grew up in majority of the country, like you said, you're, the town you used to live in, Montana, was 800 people. The town that I lived in for the most majority of my life was like 300, 400 people. Right. Little village. Yeah. <laughs> um, you go down the back roads, some of the dirt roads, gravel roads, uh, whatever you want to call them. Um, you would find a washing machine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's here too. That's here too, right on the outsides of, uh, inside Lafayette Parish, right on the outskirts. And like there's, it's, it should, it's like a zone. It's a strip of road, La Jume, and um, people dump, and that's that's dumping. That's not littering, right? Yeah, I mean that's like this is in, worse. This is like in this is gross littering. This yeah. is intentional. You know it's bad, um, and it's it is it's bad. Um, and so the question becomes: Okay, well those seem somewhat easier to capture. Could you get the license plate and you you see them taking the couch off of the truck? Right, yeah. um, like, you can't argue that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there are different challenges, different situations, all require different solutions. But that's why Parish Proud is here, is to bring all of the stakeholders together that do what they do best in all of those challenges and figure out like, let's move the needle. What do we need to do right now, and who needs to do it, um, so that we can start chipping away at this because it's gotten really bad yeah and so parish proud's a non-profit it is 501c3 okay. gotcha making sure uh we're on that same page because yeah. it sounded like a non-profit but i had to make sure because people listening maybe had wondering too yeah, yeah. um so so what are some of the other aspects 
of Parish Proud beyond the focus on cleaning up the city? Is there other facets? Because I know we have some images, but I don't know if we want to get to that just yet. But unless you do, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have a, a zoomed-in portion. I think most of it, the zoomed-in portion does include the cleanliness of the city. Sure. Um, but what are other facets about Parish Proud that are going to be taken effect I guess, am I wording that right? Yeah, I mean, so right now, our focus is is the litter problem. Um, and again, that's mitigation and prevention, so education and enforcement and that kind of thing. Um, but also, litter is, in and of itself, just a small fraction of a much larger system. Um, and so there is a concept called the quality of place. Um, and the exact definition, I have it for you, Uh, The physical characteristics of a community, the way it is planned, designed, developed, and maintained that affect the quality of life of people living and working in it and those visiting it both now and in the future. So it's basically like the built environment, the things that humans interact with on a daily basis. Um, And so a lot of that built environment, like I was saying with the cars, uh, it it can make littering more likely to happen. Um, So we want to focus on the cleanliness and the attractiveness. We want to focus on um, bringing people together so that volunteers, right, the community is built of volunteers and it isn't just kind of like piecemealed here and there. Um, We really just want to um, bring people together around the same conversation that the quality of place and the quality of life are very important concepts that are good for talent attraction business attraction, retention. Um, So these are things that are good for the city's image as well as just your individual and your family's livelihood. Right. And it's it's experience in this city. Yeah, because I mean, like like I mentioned, those those newbies to Lafayette, one of the main things that their complaints were was litter. I found that like appalling. I was like, man, I thought we had a clean city. I thought this was a relatively clean city. by very like broad look, I mean, you look outside, it looks like a clean city. But if you walk on the sidewalk... But it is... It, and so, yes, and we should be specific. Um, clean is different than attractive, is different than comfortable and inviting. Um, like, I'm looking out here, there's this bike path that's got no trees, and it's 100 degrees <laughs> outside. Who's going to use that? Um I think it's a bike path. It might be a road. I don't yeah, even know. But there's a sidewalk there, yeah. too. Um, but, you know, it's the little things, too. It's small things that we could do. Edging of the sidewalks when we get them mowed so that the right. grass doesn't grow over. Right. Like That's that. a big issue I've seen around right? here. Um, and it's just kind of like, ugh. And, you know, and another thing, and uh, I think this is a, in downtown a big issue, is that there are sidewalks that look like the Rocky Mountains. Like they're, they're just uneven. Oh, uh, maybe some of them are incomplete. Uh, I know for uh, the da- disabled community, yeah. I mean, if you're in a wheelchair, that's a challenge to get over some of the sidewalks. Right, right. I mean, living in New Orleans for a while, sidewalks, <laughs> real challenge. So I, I do understand. And a lot of that I think is like, in, it is just the environmental that we're in, you know, um, what is it whenever it sinks? Subsidence. Yeah. Subsidence and, you know, the water and we have a strange water table. And so I think that that is wear and tear naturally going right. to happen. Um, and unfortunately, we don't really have funds to maintain the walking. No, I mean, it's that infrastructure. I mean, that's that's something that I think the city should take care of. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. It's annoying, and like I wish that it was ADA compliant, but right, right. Um, but so I want to bring up. I want to bring up that image if you're ready. Sure. Um, give me one second. Sure. Let me uh, bring up the the broad image here. All right. So what you're seeing is a graph. Um, the title says, "What makes a great place," and then it looks like it's a graph from a Project for Public Spaces. Mm-hmm. So I guess kind of explain the, the graph and the, the use of it for you guys. Well, so 
I come from, like I said, I, I worked in economic competitiveness and one of the things that made a place really attractive to talent and made talent want to stay is feeling like they were engaged with their community and they felt like there was a real connection, um, whether that was with people, place, um, or culture, or all of the above. And there's a term called place-based development or placemaking. I feel like developing Lafayette may know something about it. It's, I mean, River Ranch is somewhat of an, an example yeah. of it. Um, but you can just use the components that they use. So you want people to be connected. You want people to walk and bike places. You want them to have amenities that's within walking distance. Um, and so that's kind of creating great places, right? Um, that, I mean, I would say that there are flaws in, oh, yeah. in all of the things, but essentially it is designing a place for sociability, um, access and linkage, uses and activities and comfort and image. Like, like you, that is what attracts people to a place and connects them and makes them want to stay and invest their resources and time in a place. Yeah. And so uh, on this particular image, you have a portion that's uh, squared off. I don't know if that was what you were just talking about. So that is... Um, our team kind of like thought internally and we were like, well, for the current, for the foreseeable future, we're going to work in this green space right here. Um, and right now for 2020 and 2021, our priority is clean. We are going to clean up Lafayette. That is what we're going to do. And then once, once we've tackled that one, we can replicate the system that we used and move on to another one and just keep on going. Okay, so yeah, comfort and image. I mean, that's obviously a big one. Um, and, a, you know, we always talk about in Lafayette the, the, what we have and we boast about the, the music culture, the food culture, and all that kind of has an image to it. But if you come to the town or the city of Lafayette and, you know, you, you go to, to a music venue and right outside the music venue is a bunch of trash. Right. You know, that doesn't say a, a whole lot. Sure, the music sounds great, but you know, there's well, this twenty bottle, twenty ounce yeah. bottle of Coke right here that's empty. Yeah. Well, think about like I guess it's in terms of, of brands, your city's brand. So you're a music city, awesome. But when I walk out of my music venue, it's filthy. Yeah. Like, it's good to visit and listen to the music. Not sure I want to invest here, kind of thing, right? That's what that's what happens when visitors come. We give we show them a great time. We're great hosts. Um, they love to pass through, but I mean, I, yeah, I can't I can't not see litter or littering anymore. I will watch people from the my rearview mirror. I'm like, are you gonna toss that cigarette out? <gasps> oh God! Look, I'm telling you, man, everybody's gonna be a Karen if they if they keep going. <laughs> Uh, Karen's been a popular word lately. Uh, what is an example? Um, what what's what's an example city that you guys would like to emulate if there is one? So the the uh, economic development folks from Lafayette went to South Carolina. I think it was Greensville. Yeah, South I Carolina. Yep. Um, and I know that they were really uh, impressed by. The size, the attractiveness, how it was designed so that they're down, you know, they focused on their downtown and developing that and then they kind of went outwards. Um, <clears throat> and so I think that, that that is probably an example. Um, but I don't really like to compare Lafayette to a lot of places. There are pieces of places that if I could just like make my own little perfect, you know, fake town, I would. Um, but I think Lafayette is incredibly unique in a lot of ways. Um, and not just our music, but our history and um, the people that choose to live here and why they stay. And, you know, I think that Lafayette is a very unique place and it's positioned physically well, like along. It's definitely positioned yeah. really well. I mean, we have two major interstates that run through it. Why aren't we better? Like, it begs, like, why? Like, what is it that we just. And I feel like. And that's um, not to say we're not good. I'm no, not I'm not saying, saying we're not good, but... But if you're, you should always strive to be better. You know, and, and the thing is, is our, 
this this is something that you cannot change over the course of a few years or maybe even decades is our city was developed in a very odd manner and it could be because the interstates came through at a later time but we're not an interstate city we are below the interstate city but so whenever you pass through lafayette on i-10 what the part of lafayette that you're seeing while great is not sometimes the most attractive parts like you 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 see a very few places you see maybe a hotel i think the drury uh in and then you you know you see a a couple of gas stations and maybe a couple of fast food restaurants and that's it like you fly through i-10 going 80 miles an hour and you you see this blink of lafayette and and that's what you see and in my opinion because I, I, I am not born and raised here, but I love Lafayette, is that whenever I have passed through here on I-10 before living here, I remember going, man, I thought Lafayette was different. Like, now, whenever I get off the interstate and I get to see further south and all the stuff that's been developed and kind of grown, I see a difference. And, I've, of course, downtown is unique in of itself, and you can't see that from the interstate. Uh, we don't have a skyline per se, no. especially not off the I-10. You don't see a skyline of anything. Um, it just doesn't seem like a place you want to stop at. So, like, you pass through Lake Charles. They have a lake. We can't just create right. a lake. Right. But, you know, they have the water feature. They have the, they have somewhat of a skyline. Like, off the interstate, you see what used to be the Capital One building, and then you have other buildings. You have a civic center that you can see off the interstate. It feels like when you cross over the, the, the treacherous bridge that's a c- collapsing, you almost feel like you want to stop in Lake Charles. Like, hey, I don't know what's here, but I see a city. Let's, let's detour for a second. Sure. But then you, you pass Lake Charles, you get through all the other little cities. Even Jennings, it, it's almost like, I almost feel like passing through Jennings is like passing through Lafayette. You see a blink of a few things and the rest is, you don't see it. And Lafayette being a much larger place than exactly. Jennings, you would hope that Jennings and Lafayette would not be comparable. I, look, from the I'm, I'm definitely not trying to say that we're comparable. Uh, we are miles apart and different in no, every way. But, but I mean, you make a great point, and you've actually created a story and an image for people. Because I think that a lot of times we say, well, we need to prioritize the entryways, and this is what people see from the interstate. But for a moment, I want people to like really take what you've just said and consider that. Like imagine that you didn't grow up here and you didn't know how beautiful the UL's campus was. Right. Right. Um, and so that's what people see. Um, so I think that why is it like that? Um, you know, like you said, there's been a lot of development, especially like, you know, more towards the, the South side. Um, and I'd like, I personally would just like to see a plan. I want to see a vision that is super targeted to the entryways and, um, you know, make it happen. I think the north side area is so ripe for a potential that it's being overlooked. Um, one of the things that I would like to see, this is just me kind of free, free for all here um, since we're talking. Is a couple of weeks ago there was an, a fatal accident. Uh, it was involving someone who was trying to cross the throughway, mm. and the, and they were not even in the middle of the road. They were on the side of the uh, throughway. Yeah, they were in a median waiting to cross, and a, a vehicle came out of nowhere. And oh. anyway, so that made me think. I'm like, why don't we have like cross walks? Like, why don't we have elevated walkways above the throughway that's dividing Lafayette into two different portions of the city. Why can't, why do people have, like, like whenever I'm driving down a throughway, I see people darting. They are running for their lives right. to cross the throughway because they live on the other yeah. side, but they're trying to get to the store that's yeah. on this side. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I mean, there's a lot to, there's a lot, there's yes. a lot to pick apart there. Um, you know, why is why do cars go so fast? Why is it difficult for cars to see humans? Um, yeah, there's a lot to there's a lot to break down there. Um, I mean, because essentially, I forty nine tapers off. I say tapers off. It just the speed changes. So to say the speed right, changes right, right. into a 
a, for lack of better words, a residential highway. Yeah. And you're going from 75, 80 miles an hour. If you know, I do 75, I do five miles over the speed limit almost every time. I'm just going to admit that. Um, but other people do 80, 90 miles an hour coming off of I-49 and going into a position of the throughway where it's 60 miles an hour. And so a lot of the people that I see crossing over the road are right when that speed change happens. And I'm like, you're really trying to cross the road right here. And then I thought to myself, and I thought about this crosswalk, this overhead, over elevated yeah. crosswalk before this accident, but it really came to my mind after that. I'm like, we really need a way for people to safely just cross over this yeah. speed trap. Well, I think that's an interesting statement that you just said. So <clears throat> I think that often we humans see challenges and we're like, well, I have the solution. I know what it is. Um, and then, then we start down the, the pathway of planning that and seeing how much it costs and who's going to do it and stuff. And I think that we sometimes miss a few steps before that. And it's like, let's break this problem down and figure out what the real goal is. It's so that people safely cross from one end or from one side to another. Um, are there crosswalks already? Is it a light or is it just like a corner to a corner? So I think there is one spot for sure that there is a light just strictly set for people to crosswalk. Okay. And I don't I don't know if there's a button to activate it because there's okay. no there's no intersection there. It's just a light that blocks a, a walkway. So I feel like that might be step one. It's like what is that doing? Does it work properly? I don't see very many people using Can it. Can we enhance it and make it yeah. better? Because that infrastructure that you're talking about is super expensive. And I think of the dollar signs. I'm like, yeah, we don't have that money. <laughs> right. No, we Apparently, Lafayette does not have any money. Uh, yeah. so that's what I'm like, maybe we can do something like cheaper, <laughs> more still effective. I don't know. Uh, you know, that, that's the that's the thing there. And, um, you know, I think I can visualize and put together kind of a graphic of what I think this elevated crosswalk would look like. Because it's not hard to kind of pick up right. a, another city's crosswalk. Like right. yeah, Houston, you have tons of crosswalks over I-10 and uh, the, the loops. They have Houston, or maybe it's Dallas, they actually repurposed all of these like concrete areas that were the underpasses and the over like the flat part was concrete they repurposed them to be parks and they made them all green spaces so that a concrete slab became a giant park oh wow so it's like that's a good use of space that yeah. was uh, wasted space before and we have tons of <laughs> empty uh slabs right especially on the north side because there's been several uh, demolitions and i think some of them are demolitions involving um what is soon to say the the connector the i-49 connector because i think there's like the dotd is buying up property but how far away are we from that like there's been signs saying i-10 future corridor i mean i-49 future corridor since i was little yeah yeah, so, yeah. um and that's that's actually another interesting point is that the roadways are you know owned or maintained by either the state city um or perish, I guess, in unincorporated areas. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and a lot of the eyesores that we know, like Johnston Street, with like the utility poles and stuff, mm -hmm. um, State Road, um, all of the entryways, state roads. Uh, not to call out the state, but it is important to remember that... So that's not even a Lafayette fault, per se. Well, fault, well, cleaning up and maintaining, if it looks really bad, then I would say that that could be the state's fault. Although, Go Mo just started in the city of Lafayette. Okay. It's like a digital, streamlined uh, bid process for public bids within the city on the state road stretches okay. for lawn service. It's really great. Um, anyway, so like if they don't maintain it, we could theoretically blame the state. But also, what about enhancing it and redeveloping it and you know, adding to it, um, if the state owns the property, then like, let's negotiate that. Um, yeah, it's, it's complicated. Yeah. It's yeah. Complicated. It's very complicated. <laughs> Look, a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about is stuff that I would like to see. Right. Uh, and I honestly, even with 
the the following that I've been able to kind of produce, I don't know the appropriate way to even get that type of conversation started. Like, sure, I can create a graphic, show people that we need an elevated crosswalk over uh, the throughway, but I would I would I wouldn't even want to know what the comments would look like to that. Uh, you know, with Do taxes. Comments <laughs> comments only matter to a degree. If if everybody is saying, saying the, the same, same thing, thing. Then you're right, you're right. Then that's a good statistic to know. Okay. Yeah. Public opinion is not on my side. Right. <laughs> uh, so I try to be careful with the comment section because those can get a little hairy. But, yeah. you know, I mean, I would like to figure out a way to help make that change. And I don't know if it would be starting with me or if somebody would... Uh, uh, you know, want to partner up and say, hey, you know, we're trying to do this on a, in the entryway because I think uh, I-49 and where uh, I-10 meet, I thought, as soon as I moved here, I thought, why isn't there a, a, a cylindrical elevated sign that circles around the abo- above I-10 and I-49 that has welcome to Lafayette on all sides and might I even go a little further? Lit up at night. Whoa. <laughs> I know. Like, let's not get too crazy. But downtown Lafayette, you have that entryway where it says downtown Lafayette and you have the star and it's lit up. It looks really nice. Yeah. I mean, I guess the first, if we were trying to be tactical, one of the first steps is figuring out like who owns the property that you want that sign to go on. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, that would be like step one. And from there, you could have a workflow that's like, well, if it's this way, then you need to talk to this group. If it's this way, you can talk to this group. Um, or do you want to switch ways so that, you know. I oh, know. It's, it's, it's all it's kind complicated, of complicated. But I think it's important um, for all the reasons that we've talked about. Um, I think that when people kind of become not, it's not conditioned to litter and blight or cluttered it's just they we stop having pride in our place we stop having showing pride in our place and it's just kind of like a snowball effect yeah and and that one incident that i talked about earlier about the the person reaching out and throwing trash that's not the first time i've seen that obviously uh there was actually a time on camellia i saw a car as they were driving i could see them reaching into the center console and it was like confetti coming out of the car. And I'm like, you know, one time, you know, you're, you made a bad choice. You know, maybe you were regretting it. But probably not. But, you know, I'll let it go. But this was like, I'm talking about four or five times throughout the entire stretch of Camellia, just like chunking stuff. I'm like, what are they throwing out? And then I was like, it was enough times where I actually was able to get my phone Wow. While driving, I know, but I, I had my finger on the, the, the shutter. Mm-hmm. So while paying attention, I was just snapping photos. And I was like, what am I going to do with these photos? Right. And that's a lot of people's challenges right now. And we want to make that, we want to streamline that process. It's just going to take, you know, a few tweaks and changes about the affidavit or showing up in court or will a photo or a video suffice? How do we get that to be sufficient? So what's what's next for Parish Proud as far as the the initiative of cleaning up Lafayette? Like, what is the the uh, immediate future, and then what's the long game? I guess before we close out. Yeah. Um, so immediate future is we <clears throat> are starting to, like I said, using the the digital software with United Way. Um, we are going to have recurring big cleanups. Um, where we bring everybody together on one day Um, and those will be expected and scheduled and routine Um, and then we'll also have more spontaneous opportunities to pick up litter around your neighborhood or uh, your business's property or something like that where we're going to leverage social media uh, to let you brag that you are doing it and show your pride in your business or your neighborhood or your home Um, and that's kind of in the immediate future in the long term, we really, I hope to switch gears to more prevention so that we aren't just picking up litter, we're actually preventing it. Um, and that goes into in-classroom education, whether that's driver's ed education or K through 12, or you know, what is our strategy for long-term 
change. Um, and that's the prevention. And then probably the next kind of like longer step is switching gears and from minimizing visual pollution, like litter, and optimizing visual vibrancy, which is like the fun stuff. That's the stuff you that like it's sexy. We can brag about it. We can't wait to talk about it. Um, but you're art we're is, a little ways away from that. We're a little huh? ways away from that. <laughs> we gotta get some of the the trash up first um, and keep it from you know becoming litter in the first place. But we're excited because the whole point is to make our community. Um, a more attractive place so that we're proud of it and we take pride in it and that we don't just say we're proud to be Cajun and Lafayette um, we show it yeah and you can tell and you know um, there's a someone who's kind of a mentor uh, he's a business owner I don't know if you know him Nathaniel Moore if you don't know him you might want to like okay get to know him he's he's really influential um, he he has like a, a, a few meetings before COVID-19 he would meet at a particular restaurant with a group of people and we would always go it's like a lot of entrepreneurs and business okay. people but uh, people that were just wanting to improve their lives and he, he got on the topic of trash one day he works out every morning he runs around his neighborhood and there was a day and I'm paraphrasing because it's been a while since I heard the story but there was a time where he was walking back to his home and walked past a piece of trash. And normally, he would pick up a piece of trash and throw it away if there was a nearby bin. Um, and this particular day, he was tired. He was really worn out from his workout. And he just wanted to get home. I guess it was really hot and, you know, tired. So he saw this piece of trash, but without even really thinking about it, he just kept going. And... Didn't, didn't think anything of it. He was just, you know, it's just one piece of trash. And as he got a few steps past that piece of trash, he thought to himself, that's not my character. Like, am I, if I'm going to let this one particular piece of trash slip, whenever I, I pride myself internally, I don't brag about it to anybody, but I pride myself internally on being proactive of yeah. picking up trash if I see yeah. it. Like, even if it's not mine. And, you know, even if it's not my area that I live, like if I see a piece of trash that I can pick up, I'll do it. And that one day he, in that moment, decided not to. But then after he got a few steps back, he re reconsidered and turned around mm -hmm. and picked up the piece of trash and put it back in. Yep. It's like you can't live with yourself. You, I've gotten to the point where I'll see it and I'm like. It's a discipline. Oh. Like, let me go home and get my grabber. Right, right. You know, you got to have the grabber because you never know. Right. Especially during today's today's world. But. Parish Proud has litter pickup toolkits. So wait, wait, hold up. Yep, <laughs> wait, litter yep, pickup yep. toolkits. You get a grabber, you get a Parish Proud vest, and get uh, work gloves. And you guys just hand these out. Yeah, it's been it's been um, somewhat difficult during COVID because you're like, how do I engage? How do I distribute these? Um, but. But we have them, and uh, we're giving them out for free. We gave them out for free during the Day of Action, which we did the big litter cleanup a couple of weekends ago. Um, and, yeah, we, we would like to get them in the hands of more people that have the same mindset as Nathaniel. Okay, so so pick up toolkits. All right. Okay, so um, if somebody wants to pick up a pit, trash pickup toolkit, where can they go? They should email info at parishproud.org um, and let us know that they're interested um, and how many they're interested in and a good contact number. Okay. We're still trying to figure out, hash out all the details about the distri distribution process, but... Okay. So so um, email parishproud.org. You can go to the info website. At. So there's yeah. info at, but you can probably go to the website and get the same email, right? Yep, yep. You can look on the staff page. My email is located there. Um, there's a form to become a partner, and I believe there's a comment space. You can also su submit it there. Someone is constantly uh, monitoring that particular email address. Okay, so parishproud.org. Is the website. Yep, and info at parishproud.org is the web the uh, email address to contact you guys about toolkits. toolkits. All right, well, if you're listening, uh, definitely go check out uh, their website. You can learn a lot more about Parish Proud there. Um, 
there's probably so much more that we could have talked about because I know I have a couple of different things here that I didn't even get to talk about. But, of course, we we got to talk about trash and then uh, beautiful, making the city beautiful. And then, of course, things that we'd like to see in the city. Um, But, Katie, it uh, it was a pleasure speaking with you about Parish Proud and, of course, all the different uh, accomplishments that you have, uh, especially with uh, the work you're doing as far as all of those fancy words like <laughs> economic competitiveness. Um, so, yeah, is there anything else that you want to put out there before we close out? Uh, please don't litter. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not cool. Straight up. Uh, um, but, no, but thank you very much for having me. It's, it was a pleasure, and hopefully we get to do it again. And- We'll have even more stuff to talk about and get people engaged with and helping beautify our city. Yeah, maybe in a uh, maybe in a few months, COVID nineteen will be a thing of the past. Hopefully, hopefully, um, and then we'll talk about uh, where you guys are at and what progress you have made, and hopefully, uh, maybe I can figure out a way to get an elevated crosswalk in the conversation because I think I'd like to see that. Maybe the funds yeah. won't be there, but I'd like to see the conversation started. Yeah. Um, but yeah, gotta start somewhere. Yep. All right, Katie. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. All right, guys. And remember, uh, our sponsor, the Music Academy of Acadiana. Check them out. Uh, and also, don't forget to go to parishproud.org to uh, read about Parish Proud and all the different things. And their, their email info at parishproud.org to pick up a litter pickup toolkit. There you go. All right. Well, uh, that is it for today. I hope you um, enjoyed the conversation. I know it's... It's about an hour, and I know that's a little long for some of you, but it is what it is. Uh, And also, if you want to subscribe on iTunes, you can. There's Spotify. There's all the other places that you can pick up your podcast as well. Or if you just want to watch the video, uh, you can do that. If you already are watching the video, then it is what it is. All right, so uh, we're going to leave it at that. Happy Thursday, and tomorrow it's Friday, so try not to work too hard. I know Lafayette doesn't work on Friday. So anyway, Katie, it was a pleasure. information on sponsoring the tea podcast by developing lafayette go to our website at developinglafayette.com and click advertise